You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Sabah al khair. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Robert Martin, Nasser Mashni, and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English-language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to 2024 and another episode of Palestine Remembered. Uh, and my dear friends and listeners, I know that you will have had uh, about the same sort of Christmas and holiday period that I had, which is... Uh, not much of a holiday period. Uh, we endeavoured to rest as best we could, but with the ongoing genocide, um, it really, really was very hard. Um, I'm buttressed, I'm elevated by the continued support of so many well-meaning uh, Australians and Palestinians and supporters of Palestine and justice. I'm evidenced by the, the just wonderful, wonderful solidarity and intersectional connectedness of the Palestinian struggle with our indigenous black brothers and sisters. Um, And I'm sure many of you attended the Invasion Day rally, uh, as I did in in Naam here in Melbourne, and just to see just how welcome our community, the Palestinian community was, um, that the years of work that so many uh, Palestinians have done with the indigenous movement, with the black movement, with the warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance War, what wonderful people, Uncle Gary, Uncle Robbie, and, and so many others. Um, to see, oh, look, I think it's perhaps the second or third biggest march I've ever been a part of, um, well over, well over 100,000 and possibly as much as 200,000 people. I almost was towards the very front of the rally, which is pretty rare for me these days, and um, got to the bottom from Parliament House to Swanson Street, uh, and watched the front of the march get to Flinders and looked back and people were still at Parliament steps uh, feeding in down Burke Street from from spring. So, so, so wonderful for those connected movements, uh, the fight against imperialism, the fight against settler colonialism, the fight against racism, to see so many Palestinians with Aboriginal flags and so many Indigenous folk carrying Palestinian flags and wearing kefirs uh, really, really was uplifting. The genocide, though, continues. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a very long time, and I think about what we need to do to build a movement, to create hope, to think about tomorrow. Um, we're not far from a ceasefire, as is reported in a number of different places, but a ceasefire is just the beginning. We need to be thinking about that as everything we've done is just to get to this point, the sacrifice of tens of thousands of lives. There's no question by the end of this, we will approach six figures. 
if it's not already close to that, well in excess of 30,000 people are dead now, 60,000 injured, 10,000 or more missing, that this is just the beginning, that Gaza needs to be rebuilt, that Gaza needs justice, that everyone that was, uh, everyone that is guilty of those crimes, whomever they may be, needs to be held to account, um, and that we need to buttress ourselves and really uplift ourselves for the work that's ahead because once the genocide ends, the real work begins. And I think we're in a better strategic place than we've ever, ever been. Israel has been defeated. Let's make no bones about that. Whatever their strategic goals might have been, they have been defeated. Palestinians have um, long rejected this concept of a two-state solution, of denying Palestinians from 48 the right to return, um, for Palestinians to be carved into cantons. We reject the notion that our dirt needs to be cut. Um, we're all going home, all of us to wherever we used to come from, and we will share Abraham's land together. And anyone that doesn't want to share it together, whatever their religion, be they Muslim, Christian or Jew, they're not welcome. They can leave. This is a defeat for Israel strategically. They've already withdrawn from the north. They're um, uh, suing for peace, if you will, quote-unquote. They're uh, outreached to, to um, Qatar to get involved to negotiate a, uh, a ceasefire. For all oppressed peoples, this, this, uh, this moment should uplift us all, that with all the might that the West could deliver... And we've seen it before. We saw it in Vietnam. We saw it in Afghanistan. We saw it in Iraq. You cannot, you cannot bomb out an idea or a belief in, uh, in a human being's desire for freedom and justice and liberty. Um, this is a massive strategic defeat for Israel. If they were planning on doing their three-state plan and uh, long held by the most virulent of Zionists, that Gaza needs to end up in the Sinai and that the West Bank needs to end up in Jordan um, and that the river to the sea, everyone will be free as long as everyone is Jewish, that plan has fallen to zero. Uh, the world, uh, even Australia, <laughs> has said that Gaza can't shrink geographically, that uh, population transfer won't be accepted. So if that was the plan, you failed. If the plan was to um, have the people of Gaza surrender, you failed. If the plan was to break our spirit, you failed. What you have succeeded in, what you have succeeded in, is letting the entire world know, not just Palestinians and their supporters, not just brown people and people on the fringes, quote-unquote. You've let the whole world see what we've been saying for a 100 years, that Zionism is racist supremacism, that Zionism is racism, that Zionism is settler colonialism, that Zionism has to be defeated. And an entire generation, and two, possibly three, that haven't been impacted or infected by mainstream media, whomever the purveyor and the deliverer of that message might be, is out on the streets all over this earth. And, you know, whether it's at our rallies or at Invasion Day, the average age of the participants there is in the 20s. And the future absolutely is ours. And the future is absolutely bright. And the future where everyone is free 
to live as they wish, irrespective of their race, colour, religion, gender, identity, uh, is not far away. So the work really begins once the once the uh, once the genocide ends. So drink your power drinks, <laughs> pull up your socks, and tie your shoelaces on extra tight. We need to keep marching and keep jumping out. So please make sure you come along tomorrow. It's going to be a warm one, so be smart if you're if you get impacted by the heat. Please don't come out. Wear a hat. Bring a bottle of water. Um, we'll have water uh, available tomorrow, but ideally we don't want to be wasting plastic. So please uh, be smart and, and think about yourself. But if you are able to, bring bring your people along. We'd love to see you. One of the things that, um, you know, it continues to astound me and, you know, perhaps it's tribalism, perhaps it is the indoctrination of Zionism from kindergarten through to, you know, grave there was a poll done in Israel and this poll found that was 95% support amongst the Jewish population that the there was either too little or the appropriate amount of force being used in Gaza too little or appropriate so that's 95% of Jewish Israelis think that no schools being left no universities being left no civil structures being left 10 plus thousand children, 30,000 innocent men, women and children, that that death and carnage is is acceptable, appropriate or too little violence. That challenge is that we need to acknowledge that and understand that that's mainstream Israeli opinion. Mainstream Israeli opinion. That needs to be that's not going to get fixed from the inside. It's not going to get fixed from the inside. It needs external pressure for that to be fixed. And the only way that's going to be fixed is with the sort of isolation that occurred in South Africa. And exactly like we had in South Africa, once apartheid ended there, all of the racists left. Many of them came to Australia with their thick Afrikaans accents. And they were, I was always against apartheid. Really? When did you come to Australia? 1996? Oh, really? When Nelson Mandela got out of jail? Yeah, there was an opportunity for me. I said, so there's no opportunities for you in 92, 88, 75. You didn't want to leave apartheid South Africa when there was apartheid. You wanted to leave after apartheid ended. There'll be a lot of quote-unquote post-freedom, post-liberation of Palestine anti-Zionists that were always against it. Well, the good news is we've got the internet these days and we've got um, screenshots and we've kept receipts, so we're not going to allow you to forget that you were a Zionist. Even if you say that you, you know, that you weren't, we're not going to let you forget. And you're going to be held accountable, as is everybody, for supporting this genocide. And um, as human beings, I've said this so many times and uh, I said it at Invasion Day in my speech there, the challenge with a colonializer is that their language is hate. Colonized people's language is love. The colonizer can't reconcile that a colonized won't actually treat them the same. They don't understand. All indigenous folk here want treaty, some justice, some respect, acknowledgement, nothing else. Nobody's going to take your house. <laughs> Not taking your house. Just the language is love. The connection is to the dirt that their ancestors have toiled and that their ancestors are buried in for 60 or 70,000 years. The same in Palestine. Nobody wants 
Nobody wants uh, um, uh, death and mayhem, and that, that's what colonialists want. And I, I saw this wonderful meme. If you, if you think about 116, 117 days now of the fury of uh, Western imperialism that has been supplied and aided and abetted by every colonialist country in the world, colonist country in the world, um, that has been unleashed on Gaza, the equivalent of three Hiroshimas on a bit of dirt that is actually about the same size as Hiroshima, um, to not defeat those people, all of that, you, you, you can't not be but inspired by those people. That if a conventional war, if you, you know, uh, imagine watching a movie of the, the 15 or 1600s when the blue coats and the red coats marched to a field and they sort of sat at either end of the field and, you know, the general uh, said to the trumpeter, archers, bruh, bruh, and then the archers shot the archers, I think, and then bruh, bruh, cavalry and then bruh, bruh, um, foot soldiers, that in an equal battle on a, in a level playing field, the Palestinians would beat the Israelis by lunchtime. Now, there's no question about that, evidenced by what 20,000 men with Kalashnikovs and homemade rockets and whatever have been able to do to the fourth quote-unquote strongest army in the world. That's not the challenge. The challenge for Israelis is that at dinner time, our mums would make them dinner. That's what hurts them. That's what upsets them is that it's not, it's not about, and it's never been about Judaism. What it's always been about, and what it is about, is settler colonialism and hate. Um, and, you know, the mask is well and truly off. We've got one of my favourite speeches from Malcolm X to play for you, and this is, you know, before he was assassinated in the 60s. It was true then, and it's true now, and I hope you enjoy his words. The Palestinian struggle is not just a cry for justice. It's a blistering battle for the most fundamental human rights that every living soul on this planet should inherit by birthright. It's an unyielding resistance against the oppressive, suffocating grip of occupation and the callous denial of the most basic human dignity. Just as the civil rights movement in the United States fought against the chains of racial discrimination, so too do the Palestinian people strive to shatter the chains of occupation and tyranny. Never forget, my friends, that the Palestinians, much like African Americans in the United States, have been subjected to a heart-wrenching history of suffering and torment. The birth of Israel in 1948 brought forth the mass expulsion and dispossession of hundreds of thousands of Palestinians from their ancestral homes and land. This is a historic injustice that continues to haunt the lives of Palestinians to this very day. The situation in Palestine serves as a brutal reminder of the consequences of colonialism and the ruthless dispossession of indigenous people. It is an agonizing reminder that the fight for justice knows no borders and we must stand united in solidarity with all oppressed peoples, whether they reside in the United States, South Africa, or anywhere around the world. Live Palestina, o grossas unismen. Live Palestina, o grossas unismen. Live, live, live Palestina. Live, live, live Palestina. 
Malcolm X. I'd really like to know what that song actually means. The tune has become, you know, the background music to about every single video anybody posts online, and you know, it's really gorgeous. Song. I promise to look it up and let everybody know uh, next week. One of the most hurtful things for Palestinians is is that we're a bridge. There isn't a um, an Arab leader. There isn't an anti-imperialist or uh, a movement that hasn't used Palestine as a bridge. This is my chance to get elected. You know, most recently um, Erdogan in Turkey was all jumping up and down, Palestine, 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 and he won. Um, and since then, genocide, 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 and still trading with Israel. Israeli tourists still holidaying in Istanbul, and um, you know, nothing of any real substance has come from Turkey. Um, when he didn't need Palestine anymore, got to the other side, whatever the other side was, these people look back and burn that bridge. It was Saddam Hussein before, it was the, it's the Hashemites, it's um, uh, MBS in Saudi Arabia. You know, it's every single Arab dictatorship and leadership, but, but not just Arabs. Um, and as Palestinians, we are despised 
so much and um, belittled and we know, we know when these hands come out to us that in fact these hands are, have an agenda but we're so desperate to move forward and sometimes that bridge we look down and it's as about as about as stable as um, some uh, tooth floss. What's that stuff called? Tooth floss, yeah. Um, and and sometimes the bridge looks like it might be a bit more stable, but uh, invariably, once whomever needs us uh, and used us to get to whatever they have furthered their own agenda, um, they just they just drop us. And if you think about that in the context of the Arab powers and you know the reactionary puppet regimes that exist and what's happened to their brothers. And remember before the concept of a nation state that Palestine, the Levant, was part of Lebanon and Syria and most of Jordan, that we were all Arabs, uh, that we all fought with the Allies to defeat the axis of evil, which was the Germans and the Ottoman Empire and the World War One. that these rulers, um, irrespective of what the street has been saying, the uplifting in Palestinian solidarity and whether it's from Egypt to Jordan and all over the Arab world, that the governments, that the armies and the rulers of those people, no matter how bad the atrocities are, no matter how bad the atrocities, they've done nothing, nothing to lift. I mean, United Arab Emirates and and Saudi haven't even done anything. There's Allegedly, the Saudis are helping with um, road transport because of the Yemeni blockade. Uh, to deliver goods to Israel, and if if that was true, that is beyond sickening. The UAE and Saudi were too busy destroying destroying Yemen um, with U- UK and US support and Australian support. Too busy destroying Yemen, uh, and now buying sporting events, you know, to whitewash their crime. Saudi Arabia to legitimise themselves. Jordan doesn't care. Egypt is complicit in the siege on Gaza. Um, and you know, is the the Egyptian pound has suffered a significant devaluation because of the loss of traffic through the Suez because of the heroic Yemeni actions. Um, it's been complicit in the siege on on Gaza. Um, the only thing that they've done, and we thank them, is that they have not accepted the three state plan, which was to drive Gaza into the Sinai. But I mean, that's a that's a low bar. That's a low bar to say, no, we won't let you push two million people into the Sinai. Um, Hezbollah and the Houthis, um, though ideologically nowhere near the same page, um, alone have, you know, sort of stepped up in some sort of, I don't know what you want to call it, a low-level war for four months. You know, the odd bomb here or there and maybe a drone. Um, Although the, the Yemenis make excellent videos when they grab the boats. Um, they did make some excellent videos, but Hezbollah risking risking a full scale war uh, for Lebanon, um, which I have no doubt that Hezbollah would win. I mean, Lebanon would be face you know uh, next level sections of destruction for for a tiny poor country that uh, has been you know just absolutely hurt beyond beyond imagining. Um, but the the blockade has caused more outrage in our quote-unquote civilized world um the stopping of shipping has you know provoked our prime minister anthony albanese the albanese we don't need we need francesca um 
that that's caused he condemned Yemen, you know, and committed I don't know one one guy to watch a radar or something to to the exercise to keep the um, Red Sea open. But that's caused more outrage than the murdering and death of tens of thousands of peoples. The Yemenis have still yet to kill anyone. The Yemenis come out in their millions. There was a march with five million Yemenis saying, you know, we don't care, do what you need to do. And that after years of destruction, the Houthis still stand stand for justice and standing for for the Palestinians. Yet despite all of that, all of that... um, Nothing from the Arab governments. You know, Jordan belatedly and reluctantly joined the ICJ at the last minute. Um, That it wasn't an Islamic country, it wasn't an Arabic country that took Israel to the International Court of Justice. It was the heroic South Africans. Um, And aside from Qatar, you know, that quote-unquote has um, been a supporter of Hamas, which is, uh, if you reel back, not 115 days but something like 180 days, there's video of Netanyahu saying, we, you know, the PA is an obstacle, Hamas is fantastic, um, and, you know, facilitating the cash transfer, the cash transfer of US dollars from Qatar through Tel Aviv on trucks or cars, buses, whatever, into Hamas. Um, that Qatar has been that support of Hamas as, and is involved in negotiations because apparently, you know, quote-unquote, Israel and Hamas don't negotiate. Um, but they've only ever helped Hamas when Israel and the U.S. has wanted them to, or needed them to. Um, that This is the burden of the Palestinian, knowing that we are just a bridge that people use f- to further their own ends. That we've, for so long, uh, depended on that, but now the movement is global. The movement is global, and you can't put this milk back in the carton. Zionism has been exposed. Western imperialism has been exposed. Western hypocrisy has been exposed. The EU just met a couple of days ago and approved $50 billion of funding for the Ukraine. $50 billion at the same time that they're defunding UNRWA. Um, we'll talk more about UNRWA and ICJ in the coming weeks, um, but let, let's be very clear. Uh, an attack on UNRWA is an attack on Palestinians. It is not about the aid. It is not about the UNRWA schools. It's not about UNRWA's, you know, 12 people. It's now apparently only six or four people that uh, Israel accuses of being part of October 7. Um, it's not about that. It's about UNRWA's mandate. And UNRWA's mandate is about Palestinian refugees and Palestinian refugees having and using their inalienable, inalienable, their birthright, their birthright to return. Um, the destruction, the defunding, the ending of UNRWA is about disconnecting Palestinian refugees from their ability to go home. Um, and that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Uh, we won't allow it to happen. UNRWA and the Palestinian right to return will exist forever. So um, we'll talk talk more about that in the uh, in the weeks ahead. Um, we're going to play a few ads for you now, and make sure please come along tomorrow, twelve o'clock, the State Library. Um, go to apan.org.au, apan.org.au to find out what other events. There's tons of events. 
Um, next Friday, actually yesterday, there was a great action in the city of Hume. Next Friday, they'll be blockading HTA again, a Israeli, um, an Australian company that supplies uh, componentry to Israel. Um, make sure you get along to that. The city of Hume next Friday from 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you share the podcast, tell your friends, uh, and remember there's never been a better time for a free Palestine. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. With the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza, it's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.